Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Welcome back to another live episode of 8 Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay. Always, I'm joined by one of the biggest fans of the golden era of wrestling I know, none other than Mr. Tommy Fierro. Tommy, happy Thursday to your brother. How are things going in your neck of the woods? Jumping Jay, how are you, man? Good morning to you, too, out there in Minnesota. Things are uh, a little gloomy today here in New Jersey. It's, it's drizzling right now. It's supposed to rain throughout the day. And uh, just gearing up, getting ready for 80s Wrestling Con Live. It's going to be May 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. We'll talk all about that in the upcoming months here on the podcast. We actually have one of the guests that are going to be at 80s Wrestling the, uh, Live one on May 7th, joining us on the line momentarily will be the Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi. We're going to talk all about his absolutely fantastic career. I was a big fan of his growing up as a kid, even a bigger fan now that I had an opportunity to work with him a couple times. Absolutely phenomenal talent, even better guy. And a, a couple of weeks ago, Jay, we were we had an episode talking about enhancement talent. And, and, and make no mistake about it, Steve was far more than that. But he started out as that. And I don't think that he gets enough credit, uh, him, him specifically, because in my opinion, he was probably, you know, outside of Mike Sharp, he was probably one of the biggest ones uh, for the amount of success he helped all the big stars in that era become, whether it be, you know, the Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ted DB. I mean, any, any big star from the 80s, you know, uh, chances are they crossed paths with Steve, and he did it absolutely fantastic job in that role and I was so excited when he got the opportunity you know to to be with Bobby the Brain Heenan as the Brooklyn Brawler we'll talk all about the transition there but I, I wanted to say Jay before we get him on the show and I'm not even saying this just because he's coming on the show today because I've always felt this way he is someone in my opinion that needs needs to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame not only for the amount of Years he was with that company, all the different hats that he wore in that company, whether it been from enhancement talent back in the early 80s all the way to, you know, a backstage role most recently. He has done it all in this business, and uh, he is someone that I, I feel definitely needs to, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame one day. What do you think about that, Jay? I could not agree more with what you just said, Tommy. I don't care if you're a banker. I don't care if you are a postal worker. Anytime you have the longevity in a company the way that the Brooklyn Brawler did, he worked for the number one wrestling company in the world for like 30 years. And that's not by accident. He's a, he's a talented guy. He obviously didn't cause any trouble backstage and so I think the longevity speaks for itself. But when you talk about somebody who has the ability to not only get himself over, but get the people he's working with over, that's a special kind of talent. And that's what Steve Lombardi has. And so I am so excited that he's on our show today and that we get to ask him questions about his awesome career. Absolutely. And anyone listening at home, you can call in live right now if you have any questions for Steve. The number is 516 516- Five nine five eight two nine five. Once again, that's five one six five nine five eight two nine five. And without any further ado, joining us on Eighties Wrestling the Podcast now, Steve Lombardi. Welcome to Eighties Wrestling the Podcast. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. 
Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Jay and Tommy. I listen to the podcast all the time. It's one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you. And uh, we're really excited to have you coming up as one of the featured guests for 80s Wrestling Con Live on May the 7th. Uh, fans will have an opportunity to get an autographed picture of, uh, of not only the Brooklyn Brawler, but Stephen Lombardi as well, and uh, also Kimchi as well. I, I can't wait to talk about that. And again, anyone listening out there can call up now and, and, and talk to Steve yourself. Steve, real briefly before we, we get into it, I, I know I know your backstory, but for anyone out there listening, some of the newer fans, how did you first break into the wrestling business? Well, the rest, it was really funny the way I broke into the wrestling business. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I had a, a best friend and my brother who were into bodybuilding. So we were more into like working out than wrestling, and all we got was wrestling in Spanish on channel 47 Lucha Libre all the commentation was in Spanish but I was emulating I, I took a liking to Bruno San Martino who I wound up having his last match of his entire career and my brother took a liking to superstar Billy Graham so we're in the gym we're working out my chest is blowing up like Bruno's and my, my brother's biceps are blowing up like Billy Graham so then it, it, it was the funniest thing I, I was actually going to college. I was going to be a medical technologist, and I was at a bar after afterwards. And this guy goes, "Hey, I got, a friend of mine goes, hey, I got these wrestling tickets to Madison Square Garden." He said, "Do you want to go?" It was like six tickets or five tickets, and I looked at my friends and I said, "Shit, yeah, let's go." So I've never been to a wrestling match live. I never had an intention of becoming a wrestler. When I went to the wrestling match, I was I was intrigued. I, I couldn't, it was like magical. It was like seeing superheroes live in the ring. And I just believed everything I saw. I mean, when, I mean you know what it's like for the first time to see superstars, Jimmy Snooker walk down the, down the aisle? He looked like Mr. Universe, you know, and, I, and we're freaking out over the bodies. Then I get, I get hooked on the art of the wrestling, the actual, the whole thing. I was kind of like marking out. I, I was looking, the guy next to me, I didn't even know him. He said to me, I could tell this is your first match. I said, How, how's that? He goes, because I could tell the way you seem so excited and the way you're looking at these wrestles. He goes, you can beat these wrestles if you want. There's a bar called the Savoy. It was four blocks from the garden. He says, after the match, after the matches, all the wrestlers go to that bar, and you can actually say hello to them and meet them, but give them time to change, shower, get ready, and 20,000 people leave the building and go there. So I looked at my friends. They were all for it. So we're walking down the street. We get to the block where this boy was. And what do I see? A 300-pound guy walk out. Uh, a 300-pound wrestler, which I don't even want to say his name. He walked out of the bar, and he was taking a piss out in front of everyone. I said, holy shit, this is going to be some ball to walk in. This guy's pissing in the street. So we walk into the bar. There's Mr. Fuji, Bob Orton Jr., Jimmy Snooker, Arnold Skolin. All these wrestlers were drinking, but they were talking among themselves. So I go up to Mr. Fuji, and I said, Mr. Fuji, I've never been to a wrestling match before. I said, uh, I really enjoyed it. Can't you see we talking? We are talking. I said, here we go. Now, now, now they're telling me to get the hell away, you know? So... Then I then I I, I just say say that to Scolan. Scolan treats me nicely. Then I just go sit down at the bar 
one one stool away from Jimmy Snooker. I say, Mr. Snooker, I says, I loved your performance tonight. I loved the wrestling. Do you think in a million years I could do this in my life? And he said, Put up, Jimmy, very well. I shit booms with him every night for like three, four years. But uh, if you have it in your heart, you believe it in your heart, you can do anything you want. That's what Jimmy Snooker said to me. And it, he, he lit a fire. He lit a fire in me right there. So I kept coming. So then the next garden show, I kept going every month, every month, every month. Then, then it was Savoy afterwards, Savoy afterwards. After about five or six times, the guy starts to talk to me a little more. You know, he started, and then I said, I said to Arnold Scullin, Arnie, how do I get into this thing? And then he talks in Carney, which most of the fans don't know Carney. You know, the key is that we, we as aunts, to do we be, you know, Carney, you know what I'm talking about. He, he's, tell, he's, he's, tell, he's saying that to Mr. Fuji, Mr. Fuji gives that snickering laugh. <laughs> they said, go get some experience. Go take judo. To do karate, learn something, wrestling, amateur wrestling. So I enrolled in a college just for a wrestling course, for a judo course for the wrestling, because they didn't have wrestling. You had to be in a, you know, take math, science, all that bullshit. So, so I, I do that for about four or five months, and you know, I'm looking at wrestling magazines like, like, holy shit! I'm looking at abdominal stretch, like it's a legitimate hole that a judo guy would use. So the judo guy brings a seven-degree black belt into the room after about two or three months of wrestling. He says, okay, everything I taught you now, use, try against this man. He's a black belt. You know what I did? I went to the wrestling move. I double-leg-dived the guy, and I put my forearm into his neck, and the guy couldn't move. <laughs> the teacher got pissed off. And then I showed him the picture of the wrestling magazine with, with one of the wrestlers having another wrestler with your abdominal stretch on. And then he looks at me and he goes, I think you better go back to your friends with the wrestling because this is not judo. That's what he said. And this is how it started. It's the funniest story in the world. And then less than a year later, uh, first, first Arnold said, show up in Shirley, Long Island. He says, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw you in the ring. I show up in Shirley, Long Island. Arnold walks by me like he never met me in his life. So I go up to Gorilla Monsoon. He was there, and I tell him they told me in the ring with uh, Special Delivery Jones. Remember him? Oh yeah. And I froze. I froze. And he's telling me, "Relax, kid. Relax, kid." You know, he's like, I, you know, I was never in a ring before. And then after that, they tell me to go to another town. I go to the town. And then he and then he has me in the go in the ring, and then he puts uh, I think it was Ray Stevens, it was Jimmy Schnooker, Mr. Fuji. He said Arnold Arnold goes in Carney to them said something to them I didn't know Carney, and then and he said run into each one of them and take a body slam one after the other and keep going until I tell you to stop. So I took I took one two three four five I must have took three each like nine body slams in a row. I said holy shit. And if, if you ever felt the body slam, the first one is always the worst. So then they get out of the ring. I get out of the ring. Skolin goes, uh, not you, kid. He, then the Carney comes up to Mr. Saito. He tells Mr. Saito something in Carney. 
And now as Mr. Saito rolls into the ring, I'm like, holy shit, what's going to happen now? And then Mr. Saito grabs me in a belly-to-belly suplex where he actually latched <laughs> one arm and the other arm, and he, and he, and he takes me over. I, I was never airborne like that besides a body slam. And then, then he, he takes me over, and he looks at on and he goes, heavy. And I, and I, I said to myself, yeah, I've been working out. You know, I'm, I'm getting big. <laughs> little, did, little did I know heavy was a knock. So basically, I was a, I began to hang around. Now I'm going to the Savoy after the after the garden because the garden ran every single month. And uh, now they're calling me Steve. Now, now all of a sudden I'm becoming you know, friendly with them. Then they tell me, show up at the TV, which was being filmed in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and Reading, Pennsylvania. It was like every three weeks. And then they were just beating the shit out of me, Roddy Piper, uh, Iron Sheik, uh, all, everybody and anybody you can imagine. And this went on for months and months and months and months and months. I'm getting beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up, until one day, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat comes into the territory from North Carolina, and he was a, a huge star down there. He goes to me, and I, I, they, I, they put a piece of paper on the wall, with all the matches, and it says, Ricky Steamboat versus Steve Lombardi. I said, holy shit. His first match in the territory in the company, and he's going to wrestle me. I go up to him, I go, Mr. Steamboat. He goes, I said, I think I'm your opponent tonight. He goes, okay, I just want to tell you one thing. I don't beat a dish rag. I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, you are going to look like you had a competitive match for me. I said, holy shit, this is a step up. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, I'm going from getting beat up by the Iron Sheik. I'm getting beat up by Roddy Piper. I'm getting beat up by uh, Paul Orndorff. He was intense. <laughs> and then I had the one competitive match with Ricky Steamwood. He's double leapfrogging me, turning around, and I clothesline him. And I mean, you can actually find a match somewhere. I know it's out there somewhere. He gave me a competitive match, and every wrestler, when I went back, I remember Tito Santana, yo, but how did that feel? How did it feel? It's so fantastic. Then each wrestler started giving me more and more offense. So the years were passing. The years were passing. I was becoming the best guy to beat up that looked like he knew a little something. So as I got better and better and better, and then the top guys started giving me more offense, Bobby Heenan walks up to me. He says to me, you learn how to wrestle, now we're going to teach you how to make money. That's what he said. I said, what do you mean, Bob? I, Bobby, because I was on first-name basis with him. He goes, you're going to come into my stable. You are going to be in my family. He goes, all my other wrestling, all my other wrestlers are busy with other opponents, which was Andre, Rick Rude, Kurt Henning. Uh, he, was, he was managing all, all the biggest names. And now I'm in there. And he goes, we got Terry Taylor, who I, got, I had an argument with, and I slapped him across the face, and then he, he, now he comes out as a red rooster. You remember that, remember that gimmick? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, now you are going to be my brawler. I'm going to teach him a lesson. And then he goes on TV and he goes, I'm going to take this man from the bottom and bring him right to the top. 
And Jesse Ventura was doing the uh, commentation, which actually I'm doing an appearance with him coming up somewhere. And uh, and then then all of a sudden I I, uh, I went from losing every night to winning every night, walking out with Bobby Heenan. It was it was the weirdest thing in the world. And then the weirder than that is. Now I'm wrestling in Madison Square Garden against uh, Terry Taylor. He, I'm on the apron. He goes, give me a suplex. Bobby grabs his leg, pulls it. I fall on top of him. I go over in the garden. I, I just, I just want to match in Madison Square Garden. It's crazy. And then years just fly. They just keep flying and flying and flying. And I spent 17 years straight in WWE as first as Steve Lombardi. Then Brooklyn Baller, and then Kim Chi because they brought Kamala in, and they knew that I was like a utility man. So we could put the costume on the body. He'll get, he'll get it over. He'll get it over. Then the magic call comes from Vince. Pal Vince, hey Vince, how you doing? Great. I got something for you to do. I said anything, Vince. You can count on me. He goes, ha ha ha! I knew that. And I go, what is it? He goes, I want you to go to Calgary and wrestled Bret Hart for the WWF, the WWF World Championship. I says, Vince, I have no problem doing that. I wrestled Bret many times. I said, the only problem is the paint job. To put that paint job on, he goes, ho, 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 I got it all figured out. I knew you were going to say that. I'm going to have a plane fly you from your house to Cleveland. You're going to meet Matt Bourne's wife in the in the baggage claim where she's going to hand you Matt Bourne's outfit. You're going to get Matt Bourne's outfit. Then we're going to fly you to Stanford, Connecticut, where you're going to talk, where you're going to go to uh, see Jill, our makeup girl, who's going to teach you how to paint your face up, give you everything you need, give you the, all the supplies, this and that. Then we're going to throw, go on a plane right to Calgary, and you're going to come out as the hottest heel against Bret Hart. Now, now I'm going from the rough, tough Brooklyn brawler to <laughs> when I walk through the when I walk through the curtain, I never felt an eruption of hatred that I did as a clown because they didn't know they didn't know Matt was suspended or whatever he was. Something happened. It was quite a family deal, and uh, and it was crazy. And then after that, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Remember that one? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you remember a guy named Damien Demento? Sure. Do you remember the movie The Warriors? Yes. Remember the baseball gang? They had a like a baseball gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Painting. So I, 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 I always liked that movie. So I told Damien, he was a great artist. I gave him a napkin. I said, draw a picture of a face as a baseball. I, it came out really good, better than I thought. So then, okay, here we go. I knock on Vince's door. I, I show him the picture. His glasses go to the tip of his nose. He looks down. He says, hmm, interesting. I'll give it some thought. And then I, and then I said, thank you, sir. I says, but just remember one thing. It's never been done before. He said, Really? That was the magic. That was the magic word because no one ever did it. I'm gonna do it now, you know. So now I'm doing. Now I'm. I, so now, now, now I'm doing a, a baseball player, 
which uh, he put Shane in charge of because Shane was doing vignettes with me. Like I would be on a baseball field and I'd, I would hit, I'd, the ball would come out, hit a, hit, hit a big, it sounded like a home run. They would pan out and it would be a little league baseball team, you know, shit like that. But it, it was a cool gimmick because I would always get, I would always uh, do baseball signs and I would do a uh, baseball punch and do this. I signed more eight knuckleball sports pitchers probably than any pitchers I signed. Wow. So try signing huh. Abe Knuckleball Schwartz 15, 20, 30 times right there. <laughs> that's a long, that's a long ass, that's a long ass signature. <laughs> but uh, it, it's really interesting how many characters. Like when you, if you get the WWE Encyclopedia, and I hope everybody brings it to that convention because I'm in it five times. Wow. It, I do too. I don't think, I, yeah. I mean, and people say, well, where's the fifth? We, I looked all over the place. There's one, the one where my picture is in, it's under the Heenan family. Bobby Bunny, Bobby Heenan's picture's in there. My name is on there. And it's sure. Kim Chi, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, uh, Doink the Clown. Uh, come on, help me. There's one more. There's one more. Doink, uh, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. The easy one's Kim Chi. That's the easy signature. Book of Baller, I got, I got that, that, like, I had nothing but a knuckleball swords. Holy shit. And then it's funny is I got such a variety of characters and pictures that people have a choice of like six and seven pictures. Sure. Yeah. All different characters, all different characters, which I, which I, I love. I, I love doing your show, Tommy, because you got it. You know what I mean? You knew it. You knew, you knew the variety of my pictures. Oh yeah. And the pe- people, uh, People that people that know that and realize that and they realize I'm in the encyclopedia that many times. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll not to cut you off real quick, real quickly before I, I lose my trainer, train of thought. We're talking about that virtual signing we did back in September. I had, uh, and I'm not saying this again because he's on the show. It's the truth. We had uh, Steve there, we had Bushwhacker Luke, and we had Mo from Men on a Mission. Now. You know, on paper, you would think that because Bushwhackers had, you know, a ton of merchandise. They were in the middle of the WWF, you know, magazine merchandise catalog every single month. So you would think that he would do the best. I'm I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating this. Steve did double, double of what Bushwhacker Luke did and did more. Don't don't hurt hurt Luke's feelings now. Oh, no, 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 not at all. I I love Luke. I absolutely love it. But I'm saying... You did you did double of him and you did more combined than the other two guys together. It just goes to show just the longevity. But you, you knew it, but you knew it, and you knew that was going to happen. Oh yeah, I did. Because <laughs> you remember what you said to me? You said, "Look at your table, and look at these three guys all on one table, and yeah. you, your pitches are all on one table." And holy shit, that was my favorite sign of the whole so far. Oh, I, I appreciate that, uh, Jay. We got some callers on the line, right? We do. We got a couple callers hanging on. And before we take them, I just want to say one of the reasons I fell in love with professional wrestling is the storytelling, the stories that wrestlers tell in the ring and the storylines themselves. And as a fan of storytelling, I just have to tell you, Mr. Lombardi, the story you just told us had, I could see it like a movie in my brain. I texted Tommy while you were talking. He's an incredible storyteller. Like, oh, my word. Oh, so yeah. thank for well, yeah, listen. Remember the truth. It's all the truth. But the, but the way you tell it, 
Like, I was all in. I was on the edge of my seat oh, just listening oh, with to that the voice, story. with the voices and all that shit. Just everything, man. That was, that was amazing. So thank you for that. But, yeah, we got to jump into some callers. The first caller we're going to take is our friend Brian the Brain out in what I hope is a sunny Chico, California. Brian, welcome back to the show. You are live with the Brooklyn Brawler. Excellent. Thank you, Jay, and thank you, Tommy, and uh, great to talk to you, Steve. Uh, very big fan great to from, talk to uh, you. And did you did you steal your name off of Bobby? Uh, these two gave it to me, so I, I, <laughs> that's where it's from. And he's uh, he's for me, he's top three all time talent wise and entertainment wise in the world of wrestling. I got him and Roddy and Randy right there. So uh, I, yeah. I, sometimes I come to the show prepared, and they uh, they gave me the brain nickname to go with my Brian first name. So good good stuff, and very happy to have it. Good. See, he was a great guy. Oh, definitely. Um, I wanted to tell you, but back uh, right before WrestleMania three, we went to see uh, a card. It was the second card I got to go see as a kid. I was uh, shoot twelve years old and uh, went to see uh, basically uh, Roddy and a six man with uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat and Tito Santana against Adrian and. Uh, uh, Butch Reed and Randy Savage and Roddy had just wow. uh, stuck his finger in a light socket like four days before in Los Angeles and missed the card. I was so I was a little heartbroken. Uh, yeah, I was actually wondering about that and and I saw how I'd have seen over the years how many dates he missed right before WrestleMania three and then only a couple of years ago found out about the light socket incident and I thought oh, crap I you know just felt bad but uh, I just want to say you and uh, Paul Roma that night in Sacramento. You guys actually had the match of the night as far as uh, entertainment really? wise. Who, who, you guys, who, who, oh who yeah. Did we wrestle? Who did we wrestle? Uh, you, it was no, it was you against each other. So it was Steve Lombardi oh, versus Paul Roma. Roma. Yeah. yeah, you guys probably went 18 minutes. Paul did a jump kick off the top rope. It's the best enhancement talent match I've ever seen. So uh, kudos yeah, was, and uh, well, both of you, you guys yeah. told the hell of a well, story in the ring. That. And uh, not only that is. night. That's but... what it is. You, if you get if the word story, that just hit me. Because if you realize it's a story, it's like a movie. It's it's like Rocky. It, Think about Rocky. It is. And it's a, they make it, it is. And it, yeah. As a kid, you, you go in there and that's not the match you expect. <laughs> yeah. Like Rocky would not. Rocky was chosen because he was an underdog. And it was an easy win for the, for the winner. So what do you do? You give them the unexpected. So by me, by me being an enhancement talent, I'd be Triple H. I'd oh, be man. Triple H. Wow. I mean, this is the guy that got beat. He got beat. He got beat. He got Bobby. Then he got beat again. And then now, now he's out of the business. Now, now, now I'm in backstage. I did 17 years wrestling, 15 years in production. So what do you do? You put... Triple H, it was, it was a handicap match. Kai and Ty and uh, me against Triple H. It was and uh, Mankind set it up. So we come out one by one. He's laughing at us. He's laughing at us. And I'm sure you've seen the match. You know, I well, uh, if you look I'll it up, have to check it out. It, it's, it's even on the network. If you look it up, it's on the network. So Jerry, so uh, he, he gives a pedigree to the two Kai and Ties. He goes to give the pe- pedigree to me. Who hits the ring? Chris Jericho gives gives a gives a Hunter a bulldog. I pin 
Hunter. It's live on SmackDown. I don't know if it was live or tape back then. I can't remember. But yeah. all I heard Michael Cole and somebody to this day, I'll never forget it. Oh, my God, the Brooklyn Brawler just beat Triple H on SmackDown. I can't believe I'm even saying this. <laughs> it, was, what a it, was, thrill. it was a trip. What a trip. Then they, then they show on the Tron. They show, they show uh, Jericho going to the uh, Triple H's limo driver and saying, uh, uh, Triple H says I could have his limo for the night because he kind of had a hard day. He just got beat by the Brooklyn Brawler. And, uh, he goes, he'll be going... The guy made the best bar. He gets into the limousine. The limousine pulls away, and, and Stephanie and Triple H are in the uh, in the ring looking at this like, what the fuck? You know, it, it was like, <laughs> it's magic. It's magic. It's like being in a movie. Excellent. Oh man, yeah. That same that same night in Sacramento, I saw you. You, you pulled double duty, and I didn't realize that you were uh, Kim Chi for Kamala when. Uh, he and uh, King Kong Bundy faced each other. And I know you got pictures and, and stuff, but I saw you're on Twitter, so I'll DM you. I have a picture of you and Paul from that night, and I have some pictures with uh, you and the kimchi garb with uh, Kamala. So I'll, I'll DM you the pictures from that night just so you have them because my, my mom oh, got some cool that. pictures. I would love that because so. I, I don't think I've, I've seen those pictures. I used to wrestle the opening match. Uh, as Brooklyn Brawler. This was after Bobby. Bobby lasted about two or three years. And then after yeah. that, the Kamala deal. Then I'm doing the Brooklyn Brawler first match. Kamala's always in the main event, the last match. And oh, uh, it was it was fun, but it was a bad. You, you, what people don't realize, I used to go, Uga! La puka la kutus la Uga! Takamuga! He used to scratch his head, right? Then he would walk yeah. up to me. He would, he'd walk up to me real close and he'd go, I just don't forget every spot. <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> <laughs> James, he's going to hit you with a tackle. He's going to take the fall. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. <laughs> it was like that. Oh, man. How could you get more close to the story than that? Oh, yeah. That, I mean, was, it, uh, was it hot in that kimchi costume? You know, were you uh, sweating under the lights when you were wearing that thing? And oh, we used to get paid extra. Sweat, sweat. You know what the you know, old memory it brings back? Kamala used to get pissed off because he used to say, They see the sweat marks on your arm. They know they're going to put it together. You're the Brooklyn Brawler. He goes, and he goes Put black mesh over the mask and the, and the mouth and hide more of yourself. And I had a fucking way to stop from sweating. You know, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, but he was he, he was he was like that. He would he would always have his mask on. He would sit in the back seat. He, he, always in character. Always in character. Yeah. He, now we never pulled up to the building with him in the front seat. Wow. But uh, mm. it was it was another it was another crazy crazy deal. The, the kimchi thing lasted a long time. That lasted like five six years or something like that. And, the doing thing. Yeah, did you get did you get paid extra when you did that? At first, no, but then I bitched a little bit, and then they doubled me. Oh, good. You know, I, I said, if you're doing double the work, don't you need to get double the pay? And it was, uh, I remember it was Jim Barnett. He was alive at the time, and he was doing payroll, and and he upped my money. He upped my and so then I was glad. But we I've done I've done double duty in double shots. So when oh, I, was, man. I would wrestle, I would, I would be four, in four matches in one day because it would it would fly us from town to town. We'd do an afternoon show and then we would do a night show. So it's like it was it was a, in the tw- in your twenties you love it. 
in your 30s, it's it's really cool. Your 40s, starting to get a little bit, you know, like monotonous. <laughs> 50s, oh boy, now you're feeling all the pains. You know what I mean? It's it's just uh, yeah. But I wouldn't change one thing if I could. Not one thing I would change. Then nobody wanted to lose. Nobody wanted to lose. One time, is there one a time, uh, uh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to. I was going to say, is there uh, I, one of the things I was wondering about is, is there a guy's finisher in particular that I actually preferred and lo- remember you most just straight up as Steve Lombardi with your jacket in there, cocky as oh, hell, up God, on the God. second turnbuckle, all uh, yelling to the, yeah, uh, always the crowd. I always acting like I was the toughest son of a bitch. But you know what the funny story That's, is? <laughs> yeah. We used to film TV in Allentown, and we'd, like, we'd do three weeks of TV. Three weeks of TV in one in one night, they'd be like 30 matches. So I would come out and wrestle Paul Orndorff. He'd give me his pile driver. I would go over back backstage. I would shower up. I, I'd come back right back out, fresh as a daisy, face the Iron Sheik, come right back out, face Roddy Piper. The people that were live in the show were saying, Steve Lombardi is like Superman. He just Tough fought three of the top guys. <laughs> I, I took three finishes, and I still came out. But people at home, the way they aired it, would would see it weekly. Sure. Yeah. So so the pe- the people in Allentown and Reading were almost being smartened up. Yeah. But it, yep. it, it, it's really it's it's really it's really funny. It's interesting. I tell you, the, the different feelings that you uh, that you get from the different characters and, it, and and trying to pull them all off. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I heard uh, Don Morocco. Don Morocco Don shared Morocco, a story geez. that uh, he and uh, Roddy me? would uh, – uh, well, about enhancement talent. He said that the TV tapings, everybody only got paid like 50 bucks, and he said that Roddy yeah, taught right. him right. that they should uh, go and sh- and basically give their 50 bucks to all the enhancement guys to help them out because that's, that's their biggest right. uh, you know, day working. So, unfortunately, you were going around to all the shows enough where you probably didn't get the uh, the cut, and it was the guys that were only there for TV that they yeah. probably helped out. But, uh, right. but yeah, you, Don, if Don if said that was – If you were a full-timer, you would get 50 bucks. If you were on the road uh, just for TV, it would give you like 300 or 500 or whatever your deal was. But, uh, I, oh, I, nice. I'll tell you one thing. And I'll tell him he never gave me fifty bucks. <laughs> he, he owes you then. He was a he was he, he was a beast. He had oh, shoulders yeah. like yeah. a bowling ball. I mean, incredible. oh totally. Hey, hey, Brian, we have a few, we have a few more callers on hold, so unfortunately we got to get to some other callers. So we're we're running a little oh. short on time. Great I'll let you go. Brian. Thanks so Good much, question. everybody. Great talk to you, Steve, and thanks so much. Take care, guys. Yeah, I tell you what, when you have a superstar like the Brooklyn Brawler on your show, the phone line lights up. So we're just going to take a few more calls here. We're going down to visit uh, our old friend Marty from Millville. Marty, you're on 80s Wrestling, the podcast live with the Brooklyn Brawler. Awesome. Thank you, Jumpin' Jay. Thank you, Tommy Fierro, doing big things in Jersey. Loving your work. Uh, and Thank you, sir. Steve Lombardi. Thank you so much All right. uh, for taking the time to talk to the fans today. Uh, it's an honor to speak yeah. with you. Always so nice to talk to the fans. Yeah, and, I, and I loved your, just your candor and talking about your story. And Bruce Pritchard, too, on another podcast we won't mention, but this one's better. But um, he gave you some really high praise about that, about paying your dues. Like nothing was given to you. You worked really hard for everything you got, and then it's true. You know, you end up 
like big spots. You had Saturday Night uh, Main Event. You had a huge spot in WrestleMania Five, and I had to be honest. I thought you were going to kill poor Red Rooster once you know he got his hands oh, on Bobby Heenan. I was Bobby, like, oh yeah, man, the brawler is going to kill Atlantic him. City. Atlantic yeah. City, right? Yeah, but that, but yeah, that was Bobby a big Heenan spot, wrestled, and you paid wrestled. your dues for that. It was great. It was great because because Bobby Heenan wasn't wasn't a wrestler; he was a manager. He wrestled yeah. with Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor beats the shadow in two minutes, leaves him laying, one, yep. two, three. I jump in the ring. I leave Terry Taylor laying, beat the shit out of him, just give him the boots, this and that. What does he do? He, he makes a comeback on me, he takes my hat, and he throws it to the ring, he throws it to the audience. Okay, I don't give a shit. But now, I, as soon as I go back, Vince wants you in the room immediately with, a, with, a, with, a, with an interview about the match. So I walk in the room, Vince is producing it, and he goes, where the hell is your hat? I said, I must have lost it. Vince. He, goes, he goes, you didn't lose it. Terry threw it out to the ring. I says, Vince, loyal I am, but a stooge I will never be. That's what I told him. Yeah. You know, but but he, you know, I don't want to say, yeah, Terry threw it out to the ring like I'm, I'm the guy that, but, uh, it, it, yeah, I remember that day. That's the day I met, first day I met Donald Trump. First day I met, uh, <laughs> His first wife, and that was in, in, in his building. Actually, he I think he owned that building. Yeah. yeah. But that was a, yeah. I, that was a magical time. That was yeah, a magical I'm, time. That was, you know why it was magical? Because once I left Terry Taylor laying, and 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 then he makes a little comeback that renewed our entire feud. So right. I could go with Terry another year. Yeah, you know, no, that was great to follow, too, especially the Saturday Night's Made events, the build-up. Like, they, they actually put some good creative time and energy into your feud with him because they built it up over some Saturday Night's Made event, a primetime wrestling with Rilla Monsoon. So, like, they actually – you could tell they didn't just, like, put this in for filler. Like, they knew you no, guys had a good no, feud, especially with Bobby involved with, with you two. Like, and, and they built it up so well, which is what they did back then. They told such great stories, and, and you were a huge part of that. So it was, I appreciate it was great to watch that. as a fan. Yeah. Now, I, I do you know you had an opportunity to meet Jumpin' Jay at an Arby's one time? I don't know if you know that, but that was what talked about on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, hold, hold on one second. Jay, can you, yeah. can you tell, Jay, can you tell uh, Steve the story real quickly about, about when you were uh, afraid to go up to him when you saw him uh, at a... Uh, I, yes, I, I will tell the story. Marty, thank you for, for bringing this up. Uh, Mr. Brawler, <laughs> sir, uh, I went to a show. I believe it was a Monday Night Raw taping in right. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm from Minnesota, so I road tripped with a buddy to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We watched the show. It was an amazing show. We then went across uh, the street, or maybe it was in the, the same building, but a different part. Like maybe we had to go across the Skywalk or something. And we're standing right. in line at Arby's, and we okay. noticed that you are in the front of the line at Arby's and you are ordering a healthy number of sandwiches. So my assumption is you're ordering some food to take back to the locker room and share with some of the, the fellas. So we notice it's you and we both kind of hit each other on the shoulder and we point to you and we're like, that's definitely him. And neither one of us wanted to approach you. And so I told that story to Tommy. Well, I told that story to Tommy. He's like, you totally should have. And my, my thought was, he probably gets approached all the time. He's getting food. I don't want to bother him. But looking back, because this was a number of years ago, 
now I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't approach you and at least say hi. But I saw you in an Arby's, and I just let you be. I just let you get your food uh, and be on well, your way. I respect, I respect that, but I would not have been mean to you. <laughs> no, I didn't think anyone. you'd be mean to me. I just didn't want to bother you. I'm like, he's, he's obviously getting enough food that he's got a place he's taking it back to. I don't want to hold him up. And so that was my moment. Yeah. I did see you at an Arby's, and, and I left you be. Yeah, but look at the payoff. <laughs> I'm on the podcast now. See, look, full circle, you know, if I would have bothered you and made a fool of myself, you wouldn't have done the show today. No, that's not true. That's not true. I never, I, you wouldn't have bothered me. I, would, I, I treat others how I want to be treated. Well, I, I will make this promise to everyone who's listening. If the day comes where I see Mr. Lombardi in another Arby's, I will make sure I say hi. And pick up the check. And <laughs> and send a check to Tommy Vieira. Absolutely. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, I'm only teasing. But uh, it's funny because it, it sounds like a million years ago, and it feels like a million years ago, but it feels like yesterday at the same time. You know, I, it's a, I, I was watching the Royal Rumble the other day. I was in a, another wrestling thing at uh, Why Not, Not Michigan or some shit like that. And I, I could not believe that I did this stuff because I'm looking at the way they're abusing their bodies and what they're doing. And I'm saying to myself, how did I do this for all these years? Because I love when people say, yeah, wrestling's fake. And I say, yeah, the hardest thing to do is to fake your gravity. <laughs> you know, give, give me a slam to slow my body down with the weight of the mat. It, it hurts. Trust me, it hurts. I've had three spinal surgeries I've had a dislocated elbow. I, I've had a lot of injuries. I will I'm say still, this. I'm still in good shape. Yes, when we watched your virtual signing with Tommy, you seemed like you were in incredible shape. And so you must I say, yeah. yeah, you must still be actively working out and taking care of yourself and eating right because you look like you could still get in the ring and go. I, I can. I can. And I will. And I have. I wrestled a 30-year-old in Iron Mountain, Michigan about two weeks ago and destroyed him in about five minutes. I put him in so many counters, he didn't know where the hell they came from. You know, and I didn't tell him I was going to put him in it. You know, he put so, you, you grab something. So I wrestled a 30-year-old, and I will wrestle anyone. Now, you, we, we have a couple callers left to get to, but you've talked a few times. You've mentioned how... The days might go by long, but the years they've gone by really fast. Can you just give me an idea? Like, how does it feel now to be that veteran guy who is wrestling these younger guys who, who grew up watching you? And so it's kind of like your career has come full circle. You talked about being in awe of Superfly Jimmy Snuka and meeting him and talking to him. Now, those younger guys have to be having similar feelings when they meet and talk and work with you. So – just as like oh, a yeah. life experience angle, how does it how does it feel to like be able to experience both sides of those careers? It, I tell, it it's 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 amazing. It really is. It's it's amazing to think of all the things I did in the past, and it's amazing to think that I accomplished it all. And today, I you can never take it away. And even when when the day comes, God forbid, if I ever pass away, which I will, everyone pass away, I will be online for eternity. And all you could see, you could see me online for eternity. I just posted a picture of myself, my about uh, a week or two ago, my pre, my pre WWE uh, 
picture of me before I even got into the WWE. I was like 22 years old. I was I was I was 247 pounds, and a good 247. You know, more fat than I am now. I'm more lean now. I'm 200 now with 9% body fat. You know, I'm. It's just. It's amazing. It's amazing to think I knocked out Jimmy Snooker. It's amazing to think that I beat Triple H. It's amazing to think that I beat Ultimate Warrior. And the way I beat Ultimate Warrior was they came to me to the side, and I told this after I left the company. They said, we're going to tell Warrior that you're going to win tonight, just to test his attitude, to see how he would be if we gave him that push. I liked Jim. He was a good guy. Me and him always got along. I took him in the room alone. I said, Jim, they're going to come up to you and they're going to say to you, they want, they want Lombardi over. You just say anything you want, anything for the business. I said, that's the answer they want. Yeah. I said, and he, he did it. Then he goes into the Hall of Fame. And then, you know, big, big, the WB hates him. He hates them, this right. and that. And I was, I was working in the... Uh, interview room. They, it was called the pre-tape room. It was an interview room. They, they told me to put together an interview, a DVD knocking warrior, making him sound like a jackass, like like he's the worst promo man in the world, this and that. So I put myself in a video speaking good about him. Hmm. So he's in the Hall of Fame. He finally makes up with Vince. He goes into the Hall of Fame. I walk into his dressing room. He's all alone. As soon as I see him, he starts crying. Not like, like a baby, but tears came down his face. Mm. He said, I was just thinking about you. He goes, holy shit. He goes, that fucking bullshit DVD, you were the only one that spoke good about me. He goes, and be prepared to stand up tonight. He goes, because I'm going to tell that story about how you smartened me up and told me just to go along with you, you winning. I said, don't do that. I'm still working here, Jim. I said, how is it going to look? Vince is going to look at Shane. Shane's going to look at Linda. They're going to look at, like, we can't tell this guy shit. And he goes, I mean, I get courage, right? Because Jim, Jim uh, 80s wrestling, Jim, Jim was like, fuck, fuck. That was 30 fucking years ago. Who gives a shit? I said, Jim, please. Mm. Please, I'm asking you as a friend, do not bring that story up. He said, okay, but still be prepared to stand up. So he, he mm. made me stand up at the Hall of Fame, and he said, yeah. where's Steve Lombardi? Please stand up. Steve took a lot of my anguish and my, a lot of my abuse and always kept a good attitude. That's all he said. Good. Mm. A lot better than what he was going to say. Right? <laughs> I mean, but think about it. If you're the boss and you tell and you tell me not to, he didn't, he didn't say don't tell Jim. They just assumed that I should not right. tell him. Yeah. You know, but I wanted to help him. Like, you know, other people have asked me if I, I asked other people, I asked Jericho once, I said, do you think I did the right thing or the wrong thing? He, his answer was, you obviously did the right thing because it was success in the business. You know what I mean? But what if right. he said, fuck, no, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. I, they would have been hesitant in, in going on with him. You know what I mean? Sure. Because you, you yeah, can't absolutely. have an ego. Ego kills. Ego kills. Bottom line. I've been beat by little people. I don't know if the way this world is today, I don't know if you say midget little people, smaller people. I don't know what the word is they use today because everything today is wrong. But, uh, but Vince comes in and he goes, I need somebody to put over uh, 
this this little guy, and he's going to be wearing a random Macho Man Savage uh, uh, mask. And all the wrestlers put their head down. I stood up and raised my hand like I was in school. Why? I looked at it as, I don't care, first of all. Second of all, I'm, I'm getting beat by Randy Savage. You know what I mean? It's like I, I looked at the business differently. Razor Ramon, who's a very good friend of mine, he'll, if you ever talk to him, he would say, one day I was sitting on the box with the Brooklyn Brawler. We were in the hallway. There was these 10 new, these ten new wrestlers. They were walking down the, the hallway. All the boys, they were paranoid. They were, they, were, they were thinking their spot was going to be taken. The Brooklyn Brawler turned to me and said, I don't care. It's more guys for me to put over. He got it. He said to me, he, said to me, I, he says in his, pod, his podcast that he, that he does, he goes, I have it. I knew back then. It's not winning or losing. It's how you play the game. You don't remember if this guy got killed in the movie or he did the killing or he did that. You remember if it was a good movie or it was a bad movie. If that makes sense. That's an, excellent, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. We're going to, we, we only have you for a few more minutes, so we're going to jump on to the next call. We're going back out to New Jersey, to Totowa, to talk to my good friend Tim from Totowa. Tim, welcome back to the program. You're live with the Brooklyn Brawler. Hey, guys. How's what? everyone doing today? Fantastic. What's How up, are you doing, Tim? sir? Uh, hey, Tim, how's the snow out there? You got a lot of snow out there? Not right now, Mr. Lombardi. The snow is uh, pretty much gone. Uh, his, 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 name, his name is actually Tom, but he called in one time and called Jay Jim. So now uh, he calls oh. him uh, Tim every every week. But uh, yeah, he's he's a, he's a Jersey guy. We got a yeah. brain. We got a, we got all kinds of we got all kinds of guys. All kinds so, of gimmicks. Total with Tom. Just like you. Total with Tom. Total with Tom. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, um, question: Back in 1997, when they were trying to figure out the finish for the Survivor Series match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, there was oh my God. a mention. I'm, I know okay. there was a mention by Bret Hart. Of you by Bret Hart. Of you I was going to say, there was a mention of you winning the WWF title. I want to know, how close were you to winning that belt, and did the talks ever get to you about this through Brett or Vince? Okay, it's the truth. If you ask Brett, he would tell you yesterday. He would say, he told Vince, I will not put over Shawn Michaels in Canada in the the arena because it's my country, but I will put over Steve Lombardi because Steve Lombardi – respects the business because he'll, he'll he said, because he went up to Sean is to Sean, I'm going to do something for you that I wouldn't do for many. And Sean said to him, that's more than I would ever do for you. That's Brett's words. But you got to hear one story. I'll say it quick. Madison square garden, battle Royal. They're wrestling in a battle Royal. I'm in it. I'm just another guy in it. Ken Shamrock's supposed to win. Ken Shamrock gets hurt. He hurts his sternum and his chest. Everybody walks into the room. In Vince's room, I was in. I was in the group. They said Ken can't wrestle. He can't go over. He can't win the Battle Royal. Vince looks up. He looks at me. He says, "Put over the Brooklyn Brawler. He's local." Forgetting that he advertised the winner of the Battle Royal wrestles the world champion in the next <laughs> Madison Square Garden show. And then one month, and then one month in between that was the Montreal Screwjob. Was the Montreal Screwjob? 
So now I was supposed to wrestle Brett originally, but now I'm wrestling Sean. Now, Sean today is not the Sean of yesterday. Sure. So I didn't know how he was going to react. So I'm sitting with Arnold Skolin, and Arnold Skolin goes, hey, Sean, you know who you work with in the garden? He goes, who? He, I go, oh, God, here it goes. He goes, Lombardi right here. Sean, I mean, he's going to say, fuck that. I ain't fucking doing it. He goes, can you leave Raw? Can you super kick? Can you do this? Oh, my God. We got to get together. We're going to have a hell of a match. You should have seen the match that guy gave me. He, he made me <laughs> oh, look awesome. like I was a tr- You seen it? Yeah, you I did. It? Yeah, I did. I, it was, you see how China almost killed me? Oh, yeah. She almost literally paralyzed me. But uh, Sean made me look like a million bucks. Hunter was out there. That was the first day of DX. Hunter comes on the other. You punch Sean, he takes a, takes a fall. You, you turn around, you punch Hunter in the face, he takes a fall. They both get together outside. I stick my hands out. I, I ran their heads together. I mean, they were, they were treating me like I was a main eventer. <laughs> my whole family was in there. It was 22,000 people or something like that. What a high that is. People don't realize. People think alcohol and drugs get you high. <laughs> the biggest high I ever got in my life was walking down that aisle. It's incredible. The feeling is I incredible. To see, I hope to see you one day at a, one of Tommy's uh, cards uh, here locally in Butler or or Total. Would be great. Well, I got I got yeah. I got break I got breaking news for you, Tom. While I got you on the line, so. As you know, 80s Wrestling Con is going to be live on May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown. And at nighttime, we're going to be doing an ISPW wrestling show following the uh, convention. And one of the matches that are signed for that night, which I was going to announce it soon, will be a 80s WWF challenge match with the Brooklyn Brawler going one-on-one with Bushwhacker Luke. Whoa! Yay! That's awesome. <laughs> I have wrestled Luke at least a hundred times. At wow. least a hundred times. Great guy. I was uh, just with him somewhere. I was with him somewhere. I, I think it was your town, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. that was the town. That's where Mo Mo was, and all. I, I was with him there. He's, he's a great guy. I mean, he used to be in the gym business. I think he told me he, he sold his, his gym business. It's gonna be. It's gonna be so nostalgic. It, 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 it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I never, Absolutely. you know, 80s wrestling it was so much more fun than today's wrestling. I mean, I mean, I just, I'm not knocking today's wrestling, but it was a ball when you're in your 20s and you're on TV every week. You can't get a, you can't get a ticket from a cop if you tried. I mean, if you're speeding and they recognize you, you know, and and I, especially when you got Hulk Hogan, Hogan in the car, who I traveled with for two years, I traveled with Hulk Hogan for two years. What was it? What was and, that and like? He, oh my God! Well, he was. He told Vince, he goes, "I want Lombardi with me everywhere because I can't go up to ticket counters, I can't go up to uh, car rental oh, places, sure. I can't go with." That's where I met my wife. She was renting the limousines at the airport, and and uh, <laughs> I was with Hulk Hogan. She would stay behind, and every day, every month, we'd go, we'd go to Detroit, because every town would run, like, every month, and I would go rent the limousine. And then one day, Hogan goes, I know you think that girl wants to tell you to take her out in the limo tonight. You know, just like that, you know? But he was crazy. He was telling me things like, uh, it's so big, they'll never believe if they beat you. You know what I mean? It's like, when you're in your 20s, you don't want to be influenced that way. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Go to the Cadillac dealer. Tell them you're a big-time wrestler now. Buy the biggest, baddest Cadillac you can buy. I mean, like an idiot. I'm listening. <laughs> he didn't tell me about a little thing called taxes. At the end of the year, I owe the government like 50 grand. <laughs> and it, it only happened once. Only happened yeah. once. Yeah. But, uh, it's, you know, that's why I just did a seminar. I, I, I hit you with that, uh, with that idea, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, the people who are on the edge of their seats, just on telling them what it's all about. Because how could a fireman stand at my seminar and tell me he wants to be a wrestler? And I have to explain to him, how long have you been a fireman? 12 years. You're a fireman. You want a hobby as a wrestler. Be the best you can in the, in the territory you're in, in the area you're in. I had to talk these guys out of quitting their, giving up their pensions. <laughs> You know, make it a hobby. You don't start at 37 years old and get a career, you know, to the extent of mine. Because I started when I was like 22, 23. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just, it was so interesting. The things I was telling them, I told them how to buy a house with no money down. I told them how to, I told them how to, uh, how to, how to, how to pay your taxes, how to pay your estimated taxes, how to take care of your, your career. Don't have an ego. It doesn't matter. Winning and losing don't matter. I tell them if you if you are in it for the money, you're not going to make it. If you're in it for the fame, you're not going to make it. You have to love it. If you don't love it, you won't make it. I talked for two hours. Right? I, I, it felt like five minutes. Listen, you are very shy. I, I texted Tommy again. I could listen to you all day. The way you tell your stories. I, and... I, I, got, I got a thousand stories. I got a thousand stories. And I could listen to them all. Uh, we do have another caller who's been hanging on the line for 22 minutes. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to oh hit that God, caller up. It's, it's an unrecognizable number, so I don't know the name, but it looks like from the area code, it's coming from the Washington State, uh, Seattle-type area. So, caller, you're live with the Brooklyn Brawler. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, guys. This is uh, Lowell Reed. I'm actually calling from Jacksonville, Florida area. Hey, what's up, man? What's going hey, Tommy. on? Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Hey, Brawler, just uh, want to tell you, just f- favorite memories of you is uh, the program with the Red Rooster. Just, just great the way to uh, enhancement almost, you know, well, the Red Rooster at that time was almost kind of used as an enhancement type talent. But the way that you two became a program and made folks just care about that program, it was, it was a great program. It was, it was awesome, the stuff you guys did each other there. And you what I really enjoy about today is people are finally putting it together. I wasn't losing matches. I was making stars. I, I, was, I was making that person look better. Than, you take a strength and you take a weakness. You, and you take his strength and you utilize it. You take his weakness and you hide it. And I'm doing all this while they think I'm getting my ass kicked. You know, you, 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 yeah. you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. It's like, it's like, so now they change. Now they change the word from enhancement to architect. That's a, that's a new thing you want to hear. The architects of wrestling, because we put it together and we we see you know we see how it is. I mean, I had the wax first match ever in his whole career. Did you know that? I I yeah. did not know that. No. I had 
I had Bret Hart's first match in WWE. I had Owen Owen Hart's first match in WWE. I had uh, Mark Henry's first match in WWE. I had, I, I mean, I, there's so many. There's so many. I, 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 I would have to think a long time to think. First match ever and first match in the te- territory. That's Ricky awesome. Steamboat's first ever in the territory. And everyone has a unique personality. But Ricky Steamboat was my, was my diving board. He was my diving board for the, the other wrestlers to respect me. Couldn't ask for a better one. And then, and then also no. in, the, in the early 2000s, uh, the, the, the Boston Brawler, that was great. That was, that, oh, that was, my God. I, that was a heat. When Heidenreich said a poem to me in Madison Square Garden, and I told him to shut the hell up. And then I took my shirt off, and I had a Boston a Yankee shirt off. I had a Boston shirt on. Then I had a, a Boston hat in my pocket, and I put it on. There was going to be a riot. There was going to be a riot. People hated me. The, the office loved it because of the reaction. But uh, I did. I had to do a retraction. I said, I just, just destroyed my gimmick, my whole career. I'm a Boston brawler now. And I, I, I just had to write. I, 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 just, I, I had to write in the magazine that it was uh, – it was part of the uh, the skit and this and that, and it, I'm still the Brooklyn brawler, and I still respect Brooklyn and all that. Because I don't want to turn on my whole where I live. Sure, sure. It was great though. So one question I, I do have: that. You, you, you've been around and saw it all through the '80s. There, what's one talent that you were working with that you thought, man, this guy is going to be it? This is the next big thing, and then for whatever reason, it just didn't happen with him. And then conversely, who's that guy that? You saw where it says, all right, he's, a, he's another guy, but boom, out of nowhere, he's the guy now. Well, as far as one who I thought wasn't going to be a big star, and I, I knew it was going to be a big star, and he didn't even believe in himself with John Cena. And a guy okay. way back who you thought would be a big star with these bodybuilders that came in like from uh, – Venice Beach, they, because they got 20 inch arms and they walk in, they're going to be good, but they're like working with robots. You know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that look the part, but they can't walk the walk. And there's a lot of guys that can walk the walk, but they don't look the part. Like one, two, three, kid. Oh my God, the guy sure. was like great in the rings. Thin kid, looked young. You know, he didn't have the, the same look. I had some of my best matches in my career with him. Sean right. Waltman was a great wrestler. Well, Without and he doubt. was already a wrestler. You know, maybe. A lot of people didn't know him, but before he came to WFS, before he was the, the one, two, three kid, you know, he was, he was right, already yeah. established somewhat, right. And you, you yeah. mentioned John Cena. And then, and then, you, you guys did great yeah. work there with the five questions, too. Oh, my God, the five questions with the champ. You know how that came about? You remember my face no. used to pop up over his face? Yep, yep, yep. You were a pizza he, brawler. He, was I, I produced them all the time. Like, if a produce, produce just means... Three, two, and I got a cameraman, I got a sound man, and I got a, I got a cameraman. I control it. I say cut, I say whatever, I, what I say goes. He was cursing his ass off. And every time he cursed, I cut the tape. I said, stop, <laughs> cut tape, go back, take that out. I don't want it on there. This and that. He was getting pissed. He says, I want it on. I says, I says yeah, John, I'm going to get old. Vince is going to get mad at me for letting it go through, but you're going you're gonna to be the big hero for doing it. He goes, I'll compromise with you. He called, he called the studio. He goes, you remember, you remember uh, American Idol? They used to do that kind of on American Idol with the face over the face. Yep. So mm-hmm. he says, 
Every time I every time I curse, pop over his face and go, uh uh-uh. uh. No way. <laughs> Stuff like that. So now I'm saying to myself, curse all you want. Because I'm getting more exposure. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Like, I, I didn't even remember five questions with the champ until you just mentioned it. It's oh, insane. It's I did Bradshaw, too. I did a segment with Bradshaw, too. We talked about politics. And I, I, I did many of those type, types of things. But yeah. uh, I, it was a bla- so I, hell of a ride. It was awesome. I think they missed out. You know, they did the three faces of Foley for the Rumble. I think they uh, could have had a Lux of Lombardi, you know, had – multiple different uh, gimmicks coming out there. That would have been a, a great to have seen at some one point in time. It'd be great if it was their idea, but if it's your idea, it's not that good. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I that, goes with the... that goes with everything in life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for, the, for the, the, the legs and, you know, and the longevity and just, you know, entertaining us for as long as you have. I really appreciate you. Uh, thank you for the respect. I appreciate you. Thank you. And uh, that's today's episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, Steve. It was great having you on. And anyone out there that would like to get an autographed picture of, of Steve, whether it be a Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler, Kim Chi, or Abe Knuckleball Swords, you can do so at 80s Wrestling. Or Doink, Doink the Clown. Yeah, Doink as well. And on May the 7th in, uh, in Morristown, New Jersey, if you can't make it live, you can order a picture now on 80s Wrestling Con. Dot com and at 80swrestlingcon.com you can see Steve in the daytime and meet him and take a picture and see him wrestle at nighttime in 2022 against Bushwhacker Luke. Steve, thank you oh so much for the time to join us today. Thank we you. had an absolute blast, Jay. Uh, I'm finally happy that you got to tell Steve that you uh, you let him be in Arby's. Very good story. I enjoyed it. Anything uh, finally you want to say to Steve before he goes? Uh, Mr. Lombardi, I just want to say it was an absolute joy and privilege to have you on the show today. Thank you for taking the time. I will be flying out to New Jersey for that Wrestling Con Live, and I look forward to meeting you very much, sir. So thank you so much. And if if you don't come up to me at that convention, I will be pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I promise I will come directly up to you. I might even bring an Arby's sandwich for you, sir. Just to make oh, it that'd be right. funny. I got a, I got a great, I got a great idea right now. Real quick, Steve, before you go. So we were going to do a live episode of '80s Wrestling the podcast at the convention. Uh, Jay, I, I think, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Steve. I think that Steve would be a fantastic guest live for the fans that on May seventh. What do you think? If you can fit it into his busy schedule, because he's going to have a line of people looking for pictures and autographs, but if it fits in the schedule, it would be an absolute honor to sit down with the brawler, even just for a few minutes. Absolutely. Uh, It would be a pleasure for me to do. Great. Thank you so much, Steve, and we look forward to seeing you up here in New Jersey in a couple months. Hope you and your family have a great weekend. All right. Thank you very much, Thomas. All right. Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye. Well, there you have it, Jay. That that has to be one of my favorite episodes ever of Media's Wrestling Podcast, man. That was fantastic. The the storytelling, it just draws you in, and it's from the golden era of wrestling, which you and I love. So I'm serious. I could sit here all day and just listen to story after story. What always impresses me is the memory that these guys have. Because if you think of all the places they've been, all the wrestlers they've wrestled, the fact that he's able to tell these stories like they just happened yesterday. And the biggest, my biggest takeaway is the passion and respect he has for the business. And that's got to be why he lasted so long, is the respect that he had for the business he was in. 
Absolutely. And and by the way, Jay, do you like how I just lined you up with a with a guest for your live eighties wrestling con uh, podcast? That was beautiful. When you when you ask somebody live on the on the on the show yeah, like that, how the can the brawler say no? How can he say no? <laughs> so if we can make that happen, I'll wear my Minnesota brawler shirt. He can wear his Brooklyn brawler shirt, and and we'll record a podcast. That was that was awesome, man. I, I really 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 enjoyed uh, today's episode. And uh, this weekend here in New Jersey, we're gonna have a busy weekend. We are gonna be appearing at the Garden State Comic Fest in Rockaway, New Jersey at Rockaway Town Square Mall uh, this Saturday and Sunday. Now, originally, we were supposed to have the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase on Saturday and Tito Santana on Sunday. Uh, However, unfortunately, I found out yesterday that um, Ted DiBiase unfortunately tested positive for COVID, and it threw a huge, huge, huge monkey wrench into my plans. Obviously, the the, the signing was only, you know, two days away. And, you know, in that short notice, uh, you know, who knows who was available uh, with, with two days notice. So I started calling around people and, uh, you know, I talked to a couple of different guys and they had either plans or were booked already. And I lucked out, Jay. I, I called in a favor and taking Ted DiBiase's place this Saturday when 80s Wrestling Con appears live at Garden State Comic Fest will be none other than WWE Hall of Famer Jake the Snake Roberts. I'll be with Jake Roberts this Saturday at the Garden State Comic Fest in Rockaway, New Jersey, at the Rockaway Town Square Mall. And on Sunday, I will be there with Tito Santana, WWE Hall of Famer and ISPW Commissioner, and ISPW Women's Champion Vicious Vicky, will be uh, joining us as well. And I'm working on maybe one or two more ISPW talents to do like an ISPW invasion at a Garden State Comic Fest this Sunday. So, yeah, we'll have a busy weekend. I, I am happy to have off this Monday uh, and have a few Mondays off after that as well. Our next live Monday night virtual is the last Monday in February with the living legend Larry Sabisco. Obviously, this past Monday, we had the Native American Tatanka on Monday Night Virtual, and it was a good one. Did you get a chance to watch it, Jay? I watched it from beginning to end, and I have to say it's got to be one of my favorites. I put it in the top five virtual signings because, one, he was the nicest guy possible. Two, he told amazing, amazing stories, and he was in the World Wrestling Federation when we were kind of transitioning out of the Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan 80s era into the new era of the 90s, and he was a main player in that transition. And to hear some of the stories, it's just just an amazing time in in wrestling and an amazing uh, guest to have on your show. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, man, thank you. And I I think he did fantastic. I think he's someone that we need to get on the podcast in the near future. I think I'm going to have to reach out to him and see if we can get him on. And I'm going to keep, try and keep the trend uh, rolling, Jay. I know last week we had Demolition. This week we had the Brooklyn Brawler. I kind of want to do a, you know, a, a road to 80s wrestling con live on May 7th. And it would be cool to have uh, whoever is going to be at the convention weekly guest here on the podcast from now until uh, May the 7th. So I'm going to work on another guest for next week and see if we can keep that trend going. I like that plan, man. That would be fantastic. And there are a lot of people to choose from because you have a very stacked lineup for 80s Con Live. 
Yeah, man, we have a ton of different guys appearing. We have, obviously, the big one is Jesse the Body Ventura is going to be there. I got Al Perez coming, man. Al Perez was an awesome talent back uh, in, the, in the 80s and, and early 90s, someone that was grossly you know, overlooked and underutilized. He'll be there. Uh, Barry Horowitz will be there. Barry Windham will be there. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Bushwhacker Luke. The Ace Cowboy Bob or in Demolition Axe and Smash, Greg the Hammer Valentine, IRS Irwin R. Scheister, Haku and Tama the Islanders, they'll be re, uh, reuniting on that one. Jake, the, speaking of a reunion, Jake the Snake Roberts with Cheryl Roberts will be appearing at 80s Wrestling Con Live on May the 7th. JJ Dillon, Medusa, Mike McGurk, the woman, uh, woman uh, ring announcer from back in the Golden Era of the WWF, Missy Hyatt, uh, another big reunion. The fabulous Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond, will reunite. Obviously, you can have an opportunity to get autographed pictures and, uh, of the Mountie as well. The Doctor of Style Slick, the million-dollar man, Teddy Biasi. South Sincere will make a very rare appearance, first appearance in over 15 years. I know he's not a... Uh, 80s wrestler, but he did debut in the 80s as Tom Brandy, so he technically is uh, an 80s wrestler. Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler, who's just on the show. Can't wait to have him. Tito Santana, Typhoon, Virgil, and uh, we're going to be announcing a couple more names in the upcoming days that have been confirmed, and I'll tell you off the air, Jay, so we can get a couple graphics made on them. Special events that are going to be taking place at the con. We're going to be doing a Life Achievement Award 80s Wrestling Lifetime Achievement Award for Bruiser Brody, and it's going to be presented to his wife, Barbara, who will be there live as well. And I know what's going to be one of the main events of the convention the entire day will be a live 80s wrestling ring-worn auction. So I'm going to get some of the guys that are going to be pairing at the con to bring uh, an old piece of their uh, – whether it be gear or, or boots or elbow pads, something. So you're going to have an opportunity to bid on some extremely rare items. The Doctor of Style Slick is going to be performing Jive Soul Bro live at 80s Wrestling Con. That's going to be worth the price of admission alone. You can also get your name introduced by ring announcer Mike McGurk. We're going to be doing an introducing first segment where uh, she'll introduce your name and then obviously – a live episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast with my main man, Jumpin' Jay. I won't be able to do it. I'll be far too busy running around with a chicken with its head cut off and wishing that it would be the end of the day, second, and then once it's over, wish that I can relive that those moments forever. It's the way I always do it, but uh, it always is so much fun. And again, we're going to add a couple more events to this as well as well as a few more wrestling names. If you are interested in getting a table or uh, interested in sponsorship or, or being a part of the convention in any way, uh, you can head over to 80swrestlingcon.com. You can fill out the form and, and send me over an email, or uh, you can find me on any social media platform and, and reach out to me. And I guess that's about it for this week. I know we went a little over, but it was worth it because his, his uh, stories were fantastic, man. Well, yeah, one of the, my favorite episodes so far. So enjoyable. Absolutely. And until next week, Jay, I hope you and your wife and kids have a great weekend. I hope everyone out there has a fantastic weekend as well. And we will catch you back here next week with another guest. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but we'll have another one right here on 80s Wrestling, 
the podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.